0: Welcome to Space Bros, the sci-fi movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Kate, and with me is the heroine of heroines, the defeater of nightmares, the conqueror of what goes bump in the night or hides under my bed, Mary Johnston. Hey girl, what's up?
1: That's why I was such a good babysitter. <laughs>
0: I'd be like, I would be
1: like, I, the kids would be like all tucked up in their beds and I'd kick open their door and I'm like, this is a raid! We
0: just attack their monsters underneath their <laughs> beds. Yeah, I think that's that's the best way to, to handle kids' nightmares. Um, I def- Arm them up with a bunch of Nerf guns and... Take out some goddamn monsters. Well, I think you need to know the rules. Like, if
1: you're a kid and you're sleeping with your closet door open and you didn't get a running start and leap into your bed and your feet are hanging out the bottom of your sheets, you frankly get what you
0: deserve.
1: (laughs) Like you need to no, know totally. the rules. Like yeah. what do you I want? still
0: close my closet before I go to bed. Um, Me too. You know why? I'm not trying to die. I'm that's not trying why. to die either. Uh <laughs> and why. I also like to keep my feet covered. Yes. I do not run and leap into my bed anymore. That is the slight sign of growth I have undergone. I know, but not that's probably leaping the, into my bed. That's true, but that's also kind
1: of the funnest part. So maybe it's just like it We're is. just like world weary adults. Like we like fall into our beds Ugh. at the end of the day. Uh I, what's really funny is I do not ever stick my feet out the bottom of the sheets, but nope. I will swing a leg out and put it like kind of on top of the sheets out to the side. I oh, don't, yeah. I don't know why I think the That's monsters can't though. get me that way. <laughs> That's different, though. I don't do like either, but it's different. I'm like, because that's not going to come up
0: the side of the bed. They're not. They're not animals. Come on, yeah, come on. We got a set contract on ways you can attack me and ways that's you can't. Right. All right? right, this is not in the rules of engagement, Mr. Monster, sir. So, speaking of monsters, man, that's right. So, of course, uh, all through October,
1: we have slightly shifted our gaze from sci-fi onto supernatural and horror movies.
0: All this month. Um, uh, and so, some of which have sci-fi elements, but of course, some of which don't.
1: Of yeah. course, there is like there's a little bleed over and overlap, but you know, generally, we don't do things about monsters or witches or magic or that kind of stuff. So, but this month we are. Um, so, Woo-hoo. do you think of horror movies and sci-fi movies very differently? Like, if someone's like, "Well, you know, come over and we're watching ugh, like sci-fi movies," versus like, "Come over, we're gonna watch a horror movie."
0: Like, do you think of those genres in like, do they occupy different spaces in your head? So for me, it really depends on the kind of movie. This is actually something I feel like you mentioned Ex Machina. I love Hitchcock. I love a good thriller. Yeah, a suspenseful thriller. I love suspenseful movies that build like there like there's a monster at the end of this book. We know that there's a monster. We know that there's a monster. We know that there's a monster. But still, because of the storytelling, it is scary when you see the monster. Yeah. Um, But to get back to your original question, I think that for me, what I love about sci-fi can also translate into horror depending on what the film is, which is you're able to make analogies uh, about the world. You're able to um, act out things that exist, things that are hard to explain by giving uh, some new constraints and new rules and really explore uh, new themes. So in that way, they're similar, but uh, sci-fi generally doesn't mean I have to sleep with the light on and my cat in my arms, but, you know, we all got (laughs) our things. Yeah.
1: I mean, of course, I love a scary movie. I kind of always have. Um, If you want to hear me expound on this a ton. You can listen to Crypt Creepers, where I basically talk about this every week. I love scary movies, um, but what I think is really interesting and and where and where they do kind of occupy different spaces for me is, I think that sci-fi and horror are both amazing vehicles, like you were saying, to to deliver commentary on societal issues.
0: Yeah. But exa- totally.
1: Yeah. And it's great. And like, it's very fun. And it, it, like, scratches like some portion of my brain that really loves like analogies and, and all that. I love that. Totally. But,
0: Getting to unpack it and analyze yeah, it. Yeah. Amazing. But I feel like
1: sci fi, because it generally is speculative, um, deals sort of in a forward-facing way with like our trajectories like it's sort of like um and, and it can be horrifying like it's not just hopeful but it comes from like a forward-facing place like like Handmaid's Tale yeah. is like if we don't change the way that we are going politically this is this could happen it's like it's like small it's like small little rivlets of water that are dripping down your wall and then the the speculative fiction is like the flood bursting through. Is like you see yeah. like you see these little threads that are here, and you're like, oh right, like hmm. Now that Kavanaugh is on the Supreme Court, like Roe v. Wade might be might be pulled, and we could all be handmaids. Like that could happen. So that's like you see these I'm little threads. So
0: glad you brought that up because uh, I do feel like. Uh, One of the things that I find satisfying about horror is when you're able to explore themes that uh, aren't considered acceptable in society, like female rage, like the rage I am feeling right now that is coursing (laughs) through my veins.
1: I think when times are good or when times are good but there are like little hints around the corners that things are not quite right we really need science fiction as this vehicle like we desperately yeah. need it because it it allows us to either think about what kind of trajectories we're going towards that are hopeful or it shows us like things that are like things that are around a blind corner for us right yeah how we could fuck up right exactly Whereas horror movies tend to deal, and this is like a broad, sweeping generalization, just yeah, like yeah, sci-fi yeah. is, but I think that right. horror movies tend to uncover something scary that is immediately present, that is taboo or hidden for, re- for because we don't want to deal with it. But we have we have a, a little tale that we're covering today, which um, which. Points out some of the things you can do with your rage, um, and, and how and how maybe to, to treat it <laughs> in the end. <laughs> I,
0: don't know. Yeah, I yeah, it, it explores people's relationships with rage and trauma and grief, I'd say. And uh what can happen if you ignore it and what you can do about it, right? Right. Kind of? Yes. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <Yes>. Um
1: <Yeah. laughs> so today we're talking about uh the Baba which is currently streaming. Baba Duck. Which is currently streaming on Netflix. Duck, um, duck, duck. So you don't have an excuse not to watch it this uh yeah. this holiday season,
0: which is Halloween. Um and I'm a real baby, guys. And you know what? I felt good about what I was glad I had seen it. I'm not gonna lie, it's not like it's not scary. It's totally scary. It's and again, so I'm legit. recording a basement in the middle of the night, but you know, whatever. But well, Basement of an old carriage factory from like the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> whatever, Jesus. no uh, big deal. <laughs> um
1: but yeah. Unlike so, the love witch was was supernatural and magic-y. I would not say it was scary.
0: This, no, not I at mean,
1: all. Yeah, I mean, there were intense moments, but not scary. Oh, uh, there were moments I, that made I never me felt sad. scared
0: because we were we were aligned with her throughout the narrative, yes. and she was the person. She was the force of uh, she was of the danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was the one that knocked. So <laughs> yeah, um, exactly.
1: But this movie is legit very scary. I think this is one of the more like, this is one of the scariest movies um, that I, like, truly enjoy. This is, like, this yeah. is, like, kind of scary movie that I really, really like. Um, yeah. So, and it's, uh, and like, but like The Love Witch, it's um, written and directed by uh, a badass female artist, Jennifer Kent, out of Australia. Woo-hoo! Yeah. And she apparently has a new movie out, which I have not seen, but is getting critical acclaim. What's the movie? So this movie literally just came out. It was uh, in September. And it's called The Nightingale, and it is an Australian. It's set in Australia. It's a period piece, and it's a it's a juicy revenge flick, um, starring a woman. So, and every review Hello. I've read about it has made it sound like it is quite spectacular. So, I would recommend checking that out as well. Extracurricular, you know, extra work. Yeah, yeah. Bonus points. Extra work. Bonus points. Homework, guys. It's dope. So anyway. I saw this movie. So this movie came out in 2014. I saw this movie, meme like maybe a year later, um, and I loved it so much. I watched it with my uh, partner, and afterwards, I don't really know what came over us, but we literally just chanted during the credits, "Baba duck, Baba." Duck. Baba oh, my God. In jubilation. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> it was wild. Like, I don't know yeah. what it was. And we were both like pumping our arms in the air in time with each other, you know, like kind of like an interlocking situation. But it was so I was just like, that is a spectacular film. Um, but you, this was yes. the first time you saw it. So what did you what did you yeah. think it was going to be like?
0: So, dear, dear listeners, there's a thing I do with horror films where uh, if I'm very intrigued by the trailers, which I always are because they are like mysteries or whatever, I read the Wikipedia summaries. (laughs) Somehow they all blend together, though, because I did not know what this movie was about. But here's what I thought it was. For what I had heard and read, a boy uncovers a demon living in the basement. The demon shapes itself to be different for each person. Mom helps relock the demon in the basement, encasing it. And they move and another family moves in and they will undoubtedly unleash the demon again. <laughs> so you you kind of like, you like morphed this
1: movie, like the high level like, summary of this movie with like the grudge. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. What, what I'm going to say is what this has in common with what I thought it was is there's a mom a sun in a basement. Okay? Like, that's pretty much <laughs> all The locking part, so I'll give you a quick... No, I, no I, I'd say that... Yeah, I, I'd say really it's about the basement the mom and the sun.
1: But anyway, whatever.
0: It's so much...
1: It's not so much like the forest or the trees. It's like the forest or the globe. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> right. It's like a fairy yeah. plot <laughs> version. So this... So I'll give you a little bit more detail and of course we'll like expand on the plot as well, we talk about detail, it. Well, correct detail
0: because that was not right. right. But anyway. Right.
1: But, um, so there is a mom. Her name is Amelia. She is a widow who's struggling to raise her six-year-old son Samuel. I'm really trying hard not to do a bad Australian accent as I do this. <laughs> um, and so she's a single mom. She's a widow, and one yeah. night she is reading him um this mysterious p- book called Mister Baba Duck, um about this long-fingered, top-hatted monster who's menacing picture book versions of Amelia and Samuel. Samuel becomes convinced that the Babadook is haunting their home. And uh, Amelia starts experiencing disturbing hallucinations. Um, And the movie, the kind of the central tension in this movie is, will these two be able to successfully battle back their demons? Or is this book right? Can you not get rid of the Babadook? Yeah. Yeah. So I I think we should just like dive right in and talk about... um, you know, there are obviously, like, uh, secondary and tertiary characters, but I think this movie really... Like, if you were staging this movie, you could almost get away with just having Amelia and Samuel and, like, a, a puppet for the Babadook, and you'd be fine. Yeah,
0: genuinely, I, I thought about this a lot. Some of the shots, this is filmed like it could be a play. It really cleverly, you know? Um yeah, so I I would agree with that. I think it really could just exist with just Amelia and Samuel. Not that I think it's bad that we see other tertiary characters because right, I think no,
1: they good, they but... flush it out. But like, it's really a movie about these two. So let's like dive in about like who they are as people and um their relationship. So,
0: do you mind if I talk a little bit about Samuel first? Yeah, let's do Samuel first. Why not? Okay, so the way that this movie starts is there's kind of this a little bit of a red herring. Samuel is clearly. An odd child. And a pain Um, in the ass. And a little bit of pain in the ass. To be (laughs) fair, like, what he wants is his mother's love, affection, and attention. His mother is very strained and having a real hard time. And he was born the day that, like, his his father died, taking his mom to the hospital the day he was born. And so uh, for her... They're kind of inextricably linked, the loss of her husband and the birth of her child. But you you start off thinking Samuel might be, like, one of those really troubled kids that ends up, like, shooting up the school, you know? Um, yeah, he's like a because, pale,
1: wide-eyed kid who's always making weapons.
0: <laughs> yeah, weird. and talking about how he bashed in the head of a monster, yeah. you know? Um, and there are a couple scenes where, as the movie progresses... And in retrospect, I actually really like Samuel. I think he's an adorable child. Um, and I totally understand what... Because because he has such a deep, unconditional love for his mom. Um, well, he has it, like,
1: in all the ways that count. Yeah, the, like, the movie twists. Like, you, so I spent the first... 20 to 30 minutes being like this kid needs to get it together
0: like yeah no like, because like you think that he's maybe maybe he did put glass in his mom's soup you know what i mean yeah. like maybe he did scribble out like this you, lid he pushes his cousin out of a treehouse. you yeah. think he's the babadook like right you like, think he's the monster like you he's, think he's, the, he's monster. the monster that's haunting her life yeah which is very interesting when you think about motherhood because that's not a I mean, we see that a little bit, like the kids aren't all right or whatever. What was the name of that? There's something we need to talk about. about. Oh, whatever. Oh. There's something we need to, to the Kevin, uh, we, need, we need to talk about. Not movie. Kevin, we need Kevin to talk about Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin.
1: I love, there's something we need to talk about Kevin a lot. The thing we need to talk about Kevin is he's the worst. <laughs> he's the worst. He might be a killer. I never saw that movie. I don't oh, know if you did, but. I did. I did, Kate. <laughs> oh. There is not, there is not enough, like, like uh, mood elevators Life? and okay. sunshine in a day for me to want to watch that movie again.
0: It's very good. It's very good, but it is bleak. Like it's well, the ble- and and oh yeah. And so those are the kind of movies that I don't watch because um, <laughs> so tough. I I don't like watching movies that are long, slow train wrecks. You know, and uh, at first it seems like maybe Samuel is. The worst, but he's actually a really interesting kid. He uh, is really obsessed with magic, and I think part of that is because uh, he death was always a part of his life. Like, his mom didn't need to explain to him when a goldfish died what death was. Uh, I think that the death of his father has been, like, a part of his life from the beginning, so he knows about the sorrow of life. But he also wants to believe in the magic of life, like, that there could be something beautiful and exciting and wonderful, Um, which which I think is an interesting tension that this— tiny child uh embodies
1: yeah he's like kind of a spooky kid but like his birth was anointed in death like he he like he wrote he rose from his dad's like corpse like it's 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 very dark and very macabre and i think i do think i love your point that he's like kind of making he's he's kind of like salvaging the one sort of nice thing out of this which is that like life is magical like that that is that that is something that we should celebrate that life itself is magical and i so it's cool it's an interesting aspect of his personality
0: but initially it seems like he's just an obsessive kid who like and and there's a scene early on where he hugs his mom and you wonder if he's like actually hurting her because she's like don't do that like because he's hugging her tight and in retrospect i think really she's just damaged and i don't think he was doing anything wrong but no. like you really are set up to be like this kid is a fucking
1: demon there's something wrong with this kid yeah for real yep. i i rewound that scene
0: twice and i was like is he pulling her hair
1: yeah is no me too i think he really is just i think he's, he's just, just, just squeezing her. her neck
0: tightly yeah. um but but in this movie where you see, like, the first time she picks up the dog and the dog reacts poorly because she starts squeezing its neck, I think we're just... That's all supposed to be foreshadowing that, like, yeah, while she t- is not the monster, um, that that a neck is a very sensitive place where you could get injured.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I started the movie not caring for Sam. He's just, like, this, like, frustrating, screaming little being. And he's <laughs> always doing destructive things constantly. And, like just yeah, never, making weapons yeah taking never, them to school oh my god never doing the right thing and like never doing the right never thing never, never giving listening his, never giving his mom a break and then yeah i i don't really know when it happens in the movie it starts it's such it's such good characterization because it's sort of slowly like definitely by the time his mom's becoming completely unglued you are on his side like you're like
0: oh samuel's like right like 100 this kid is fine yeah samuel's been right from the beginning yeah and he's he's well always and i think known. it's What's really, and we do need to talk about Amelia, and I, I don't want to, I hope that this isn't jumping ahead, but I think it's that, that part in the movie where he's so scared of this monster, and he's talking to her, and at this point she's giving him tranquilizers that a doctor has given her, but, like, you're still watching her kind of, like, drug her child and, like, kind of lie to him and, like, be, like, she is, like, a little bit, she is lost in her own grief, trauma, and everything else at this point. Um, and he talks about how, I'll protect you and you'll protect me. Yeah. And that about moment. loving her. And it's it's this thing where I think what that resonates with is if that isn't the root of what you hope your family to be, I don't know it is. They're the people you're attached to from birth, they're the people that you expect, I'll protect you and you'll protect me, which is why when that is subverted, when that is perverted, when there are um when parents are unable to do that basic thing, uh, why it causes so much trauma? Because that is that's the underlying expectation of family. Yeah. You protect me and I'll protect you.
1: Beautiful. Oh my god. Give me chills. Yeah, no, I agree. That's that is the moment when you decide that he's like going to be okay. I also think the moment there's lots of scenes in the car like, mm-hmm.
0: like there's a lot. And he's always like the worst in the car. like yeah, always it's just, always awful. It's, like he's he's in trouble and he's screaming the first time we're in a car. Oh, it's awful. It's, it's
1: awful. awful. And he's like always pitchy. It's like just really loud. And you always see it from his mom's perspective. Like he's like pounding on the back of her seat with his feet. Boom, 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 And I think it's when he has like the seizure right before he gets the tranks. And yeah. we move. Usually we see him. From her perspective, like, if she, like, glanced in her rearview mirror, that's what you'd mm-hmm. see. you see it, like, over her shoulder, kind of. And we move into the back seat, and you see that he is actually, like, he is terrified. And you're like, oh, she needs to pull over, like, right now. Yeah, like that, there's, is like, not...
0: something in the car next to him yes. that he sees, and then he's getting strangled. It seems like a seizure, but it also seems like to us that there's an invisible monster killing this kid. That's like it's like crushing this kid. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. "Oh, shit." And he doesn't die in that scene. She pulls yeah. over, but you know. Yeah. But like you're like, "Girl, you need to like your son is not he's he's like seeing this is real. Something real is happening and you can't Yeah, there's a real danger here yeah. that you need to like stop ignoring. Yeah. Um and yet the next scene is when they're at the hospital and she's talking to the doctor and He's like, well, she should see a psychiatrist. She's like, that's great. And he's like, he's really sticking to this monster theory. And she's like, that's an understatement. <laughs> and then asks, asks for twinkle, asks for something she some can trunks. get her son so she can get yeah. some sleep. And I get it. I guess I get it. I mean, I can't imagine. Here's the thing. Team, lovely, lovely listeners that I keep on calling out. I have never planned on having children um, I love my nieces and nephews. I love kiddos. I would be happy to maybe one day adopt kids. Um, you know, who knows what the future holds, but I have never thought that I would, I think that there's an expectation for mothers to be kind of perfect and you see her fail that so miserably. And that is part of the reason why I've never been like, hand me over a bunch of kids. Cause I'm not sure that I would be an excellent mother. I don't think I'd be S.E. Davis in this movie, but, you <laughs> yeah, know. No. I think I think
1: that I think that that's an incredibly brave thing to admit, because yeah. women are given such, like, pressure to procreate. So I support you fully. I will say, if you ever changed your mind and you ever decided you wanted to adopt a kid or have a kid or, or be, you know, be the, the guardian of a child, that that child would be the luckiest kid
0: alive.
1: But... That yeah, doesn't mean you sweetheart. have to have a kid. <laughs>
0: like, no, of, of course not. That doesn't of course mean not. That. But I do appreciate you saying that. Because Just because I, yeah, they would be. Yeah. You'd be a great mom. But that's not that that, that doesn't mean you right. have that to right. That doesn't be mean I have to be a mom. Yeah, okay. yeah. totally. I but, appreciate it. Mary and I have talked about this before. This is not you know. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So let's talk about this one. So Amelia is yeah. a single mother who I do believe is doing her best. But yeah, she's, totally. But she's spinning a lot of plates. She's got this kid who, even though even though we we get on Samuel's side, like he's a weird
0: kid. Like he's not an easy child to raise. He's constantly getting in trouble. They've had a lot of talks at school. Their behavioral problems. Uh, his aunt says terrible things about how like she doesn't want to spend time with him to to her sister, uh, which, is <laughs> like, which is horrible. Like which is horrible. I but... can't stand to be around your child. You can't either. Like it's yeah. just awful shit. It's you know. Awful. But like he's Fucked a
1: tough woman, by the way, <laughs> for real. Well, we'll get into her, but. So, she, so he's like a tough
0: kid. She's working, right? So, because yep. she is the sole breadwinner. And she's, and she's a caregiver. So, right? you know, we're pulling on those maternal things again. She works yep. with older adults.
1: Yep. She um, puts on a pink pink's dress and goes to work every day and has to care for the elderly. Um, and she's just kind of trying to keep it together, but she's not
0: fully doing it. And I think... Because and, she's not really dealing with some shit. No. She's and got she, some shit she's trying to repress and is making yeah. her... An inadequate, um, I'd say human. I'm not even going to say an inadequate mother. I'm going to say it makes her, like, a not, like, she's an inadequate she's, human. And I don't not, mean, yeah. she needs to get some help. Yeah. She needs some real help, guys. She's Go in, get help.
1: Go try and get better. She's has through there. something terrible. I can't imagine anything. Awful. Like, this is, like, oh my God. unbelievably horrible. She's in deep mourning, yeah. but, she can't, but she can't, doesn't think she has time to because she's got to, like, keep it together. And yeah. The way that this story is told, which is, I think, largely from her perspective, um, yeah. at least at least the first half is is pretty much you get the sense that, like, what she sees is the truth. Like what you you experience the movie through her eyes and, and like she is the main character um, gives me a huge amount of empathy for her. I basically never stopped Agreed. having empathy for her in this movie at any point.
0: I would I would go so far as to say I think that it's partly Essie Davis's acting um, because you do you see on her face like just the interplay of all these emotions she's not malicious and and that's that's what's so hard is that she's not an evil person but I think on some level uh, be it uh, subconscious she does have a little bit of blame for her son or at least in her mind his birth is so inextricably linked with her lover's death that um that the kind of thoughts mental illness and undressed trauma can lead to when I confronted and treated or interrogated uh, can be dark and violent. Uh, we were talking about the top of the episode, the way in which horror movies make you look at what is happening already and this film makes you think about trauma. Makes you think about uh, unaddressed treated men- mental illness. And also, like, the very worst version of that, when parents, like, kill their children and kill themselves, which we do read about in the news. And it's awful. I mean, it but um, Yeah. Yeah. So to have a-, a horror movie be like, here's a person that you ca- that you like, that you understand, who is just losing it, that she's getting to that point, is really evocative and powerful. Right. And the way that
1: it's framed where Sam's sort of, like, insatiable needs and screaming and stuff drives you nuts the same way it drives Amelia nuts. Totally. Um, That also strengthens that bond where you're like, oh, I totally see why she's... Like, this would drive... (laughs) I would be crawling up the walls. But she... But you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he also knows that. And that's, like, a central piece of tension in their relationship that he needs all this stuff because he's a kid like he's six and he knows that his needs like great at his mother (laughs) on a way that is not not on you might agree with her but you know it's not right
0: like that you know yeah and 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 he sees that and the fact that he's still able to He's still able to love her, right? Well,
1: he's... and the fact that he needs her so badly is also such a scary thing. Like you know, he need, has all these needs, and he can't. He kind of has to get it from her. There's no. Yeah, he has no one else. He, there's he no other no option. He doesn't have anybody. He doesn't have his aunt. You know, he... it's a powerlessness of childhood, you right? Know? So he needs all this stuff, and she, he resentfully, is giving it to him, or yep. not deni- or cruelly denying it is is like very horrifying, and and makes you. Even though you care about her, you were like, oh, she's not right. Like, this is not right. Yeah. Um, Which is a cool thing. I think that there are a lot of, like, you know, how many movies, like, uh, or how many TV shows actually is really more of it. But, like, Breaking Bad and Mad Men immediately jump to mind with, like, you have, like, these complicated (laughs) men. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh... (laughs) And, like, I'm sorry, both those, like, that's not, the level of complicated and, like, empathy that they expect you to have on those men, I always turn on those guys, like, I yeah, turned on Don it's Draper. It's hard not to. I turned on Walter White. Like, I was like, oh, you know, this is
0: just your ego, which is out of control. To see this. No, oh, no, you're actually just kind of the fucking worst. Yeah. I don't care what all the internet memes say. Yeah. Like, you do are I... kind of the worst. Yeah. Did I think that
1: Breaking Bad was spectacular? Yes. Did I think that Mad Men was spectacular? Yes. Do I think that their central, c- complicated men are, like, p- someone I want to feel empathy with? No. Do I want to empathize with Amelia? Yes, and I do desperately yeah like totally.
0: yeah so well and i think that that brings us to up uh, and correct me if i'm wrong i think that brings us to the next point we want to talk about which is because amelia's represented so much in motherhood kind of the exhausting horrors of motherhood she experiences
1: <laughs> oh, god and exhausting let's just get that let's like address that because i feel like I feel like exhaustion is just like is just like a like table stakes for Amelia's reality. Like it's yeah, it huge... starts with a
0: nightmare she has. Like the very first scene is she's having a nightmare and is woken up by her kid needing her, and it just her lack of sleep is so consistent and constant as a theme. I don't know who did the makeup for
1: this. I should find that out. But whoever they are are amazing because they her face does like and it's of course also although also the performance, but. Her face sure. is like exhausted to the point where it makes me a little bit nauseated to look at. I'm like, oh yeah. no! Like yeah. it's so deep. It's like deep, deep exhaustion, bone, deep. bone <laughs> like her, deep. Yeah, it's like her eye, like her face is worn, and she has like bags under her eyes that like stretch to both corners of her eyebrows. It's nuts. Um, yeah, and and I I think it's great where you see sort of like these. Like, time, the way they deal with time in this movie also highlights her deep exhaustion where, like, when the sun goes down and she has to, like, feed her kid and put her kid to bed and do the whole bedtime routine, those are long scenes. Like, those are, like, languid. Like, you see them languidly eating soup. You see her in bed with her kid, reading to the kid. You see that many, many, many times. So that so that's, takes yeah. up a lot, ton of time. And then they switch when she goes to sleep you see that as like a time elapse, like a, a night is like seconds long. And you know that that's yeah. how she feels when she finally like her head hits that pillow and she goes to sleep. It's 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 like a blink it's of an seconds eye. seconds before
0: she's... the light. Yeah, the light, yeah. the light changes over her. And then she's expected to be awake again and to be giving again. And I think that that that's what we expect of mothers is kind of a, a total selflessness, a total giving uh, consistently which I don't think any human is capable of doing no. all the time um, I'm sure that there will be mothers who might hear this podcast that are like well I always tried but I think if we're all being really honest with ourselves everyone has felt their breaking point at some point oh, most, or of the mothers I've,
1: most of the mothers I've talked to are like yeah sometimes bedtime is the worst like I mean it's just, it just <laughs> yeah. is sometimes it is yeah. And uh, and I'm not a mother and you are not a mother but, like, God bless you mothers out there, is what I will say. Yeah,
0: agreed. God agreed. bless you. All of you. Someone's got to do that. <laughs> uh, and i really appreciate someone doing it that's not me right now. So,
1: um, Same, although I think I do want to have kids. But, like, yeah, no, I, uh, like, people Still who are mothers. second, you know. Yes. Yeah. People who are mothers, y'all are the best. Awesome. Um, agreed. I do also super feel Amelia because I feel like her relationship with her bed is so. <laughs> Oh my relationship with my bed! Like Uh I have, I have like on a on a a goofy morning, as I'm leaving my bedroom, looked at my bed, winked, and been like, "See you later." (laughs) Like I'll be back (laughs) for you. Like don't even worry about it, girl. I'm coming. And (laughs) Amelia like loves her bed. Her bed is the best. I
0: love. I feel like her bed sanctuary. I think her bed is, like, the third girl in the house. <laughs> like, no, like... it it really is. It, it, even up until the very end where, like, uh, when she's finally facing down the Babadook and, like, it shakes the bed. Like, yes. that's where she, like, jumps onto as, like, this island, you Yes, know? her bed is, like, her place. And I think
1: it's – so, every time she goes to bed is also, like, kind of a cool magical realism. Like, it's how she feels getting into bed versus what she actually is doing. You yeah, see her falling
0: her, into the bed.
1: Yeah, you see like this sort of weightless thing and she falls for maybe like eight or six feet up into the bed and we see like an aerial shot of her. And I definitely have felt that when I'm very sleepy where you just like you get into your bed and it's like everything becomes
0: weightless and then vomf, you're in. It's so good. Um, well, I what I like about those shots, too, is so I wish I knew the term, but there is something that humans do in our brain where we make faces out of all sorts of objects and things. It's just like the first thing you do. It's why cars have their headlights where they are because you're supposed to kind of see a face and then bond. Yeah. When she's falling to the bed the first time, the two lamps and the big blue of her sheet, it looks like a face. Oh, um, that's so cool. I have to rewatch. Yeah. And and, it, like, and almost in a creepy way because it's the kind of abstract face that we see again later in Mr. Babadook's book. So... Interesting. I do um, think... Huh. I got to check that out. Yeah, I loved her relationship with her bed,
1: and I liked how her bed kept being disturbed, and that was, like, the worst.
0: Like, when you see... God, when she's trying to have an orgasm, (sighs) like, at one point, like, her kid's asleep. It's, like, her one moment. She's trying to find some sort of release. The only kind of release she can have is one of those alone. And we see her notice couples. We... We know about her devastating well of loneliness and emptiness. uh, And when she hallucinates her husband, how much she loved him. Uh, So to have her trying, just trying to, like, climax and then her son comes in, it's just oh i know it's, I so bad it's, her. it's tragic it's just tragic It's tragic no that's very tragic and even like the
1: times where she like invites him into her bed she resents it like there are times where he's having a nightmare and she's like all right get in bed and then as soon as he's asleep she moves as far away from him as she can because this is her bed and she wants to be able to spread out or when she gives him tranks and he finally spends the night in his own bed like he falls asleep in his own bed she w- she you see her wake up she realizes it's 11 a.m. it's like the latest she's slept pro- possibly ever in her in her life as a mother and yeah. she like flops like lazily over onto his side where he would be normally in her bed and she's like ah like it's it's so it's so wonderful how they how yeah. they use that space as a metaphor for like how claustrophobic and how um how important these little moments of self-care are and how she can't even have that to herself um yeah you brought up you brought up uh the vibrator scene uh i think it's wonderful that we get this like constant reminder that her sexual self is very alive and well generally yeah in movies, you either have like kind of virginal mothers or you have moms that are sexy like it's like uh, and i amelia i would not say is sexy right like she's like she's no. like she's tired she's
0: too exhausted to be sexy honestly at this yeah, point absolutely i never like no knock on her just no have been there
1: no and of, of course like and, like, I've never seen anyone who deserves a cone more. She deserves to be able to just, like, lay down on top of something that will give her an orgasm
0: and not move yep. very much. Like, hands-free. Guys, free. if you don't know what a cone is, it is an interesting sex toy that you should look up online. Yeah. It's made for uh, lady or coupled pleasure. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's uh, it's hands-free. You just can like, kind of, like, flop on top of it. And it takes
0: care <laughs> of business, apparently. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> But she, hey cone, if you want to uh, be our sponsor <laughs> and send sponsor us some free, us. Some free, some free cones, I would love we'll to try it. Yeah, why I've not? been stocking that product for since we were an undergrad. So <laughs> you, you know. and I have
1: discussed cones so many times. Um, I know. <laughs> um, I'm just saying that if somehow cones were invented before fire. Um, Humanity would not exist and nothing would have gotten done because there wouldn't have been women to do it because they would have just been hovering over their cones constantly. Agreed. They would have never agreed the caves. Why um, the hell? Why why? Why? Leave? why? why? It, has, it has an orgasm button. Why would you leave? <laughs> kind of, you're fine. Um So But like But there are like so yeah, you mentioned like she notices she notices couples. Um, you know, enjoying each other's company and like kissing and things in in public, and she and she can't like stop staring. She's like she's like a dog like looking at a butcher shop window. She's like salivating, you know. And then yeah, she has those flirtations with her coworker Robbie, which oh, I was like,
0: and so oh. poorly. And Robbie she- comes over and sees, basically, Amelia screaming at her son because her son is, like, contradicting her. And the next scene is literally Robbie's clearly left. (laughs) Like, he just immediately bounced the fuck out. I mean, basically, everyone
1: who comes into their house is like, oh, this is a bad time. I need to go. Right. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for us to talk about uh, the social workers oh, the they're... juxtaposition of those two scenes is so interesting. It's so good. But anyway, yeah, so she's, she suffers a lot of horrors. Uh, and we see that even when she uh, – this moment when Robbie's like, let me let me take your shift. You've got a sick kid. And she doesn't correct him. And to be honest, I kind of think that that's a fair assessment for Samuel at that moment, you yeah. know, because yeah. he's on medicine and he is having a hard time, like – figuring out his shit about this monster. And, like, at this point, we're on his side. But, like, still, um, whatever. And so he takes her her shift. And instead of for her to be able to go home and take care of her kid or whatever, but she goes to a mall and eats an ice cream cone and just sits alone. And it's one of those things that I feel like can both be categorized as, like, incredibly selfish, but also, like, so necessary and human. Well, and like the actually, fact that her life doesn't have room for this is tragic.
1: Yeah. What I think is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's like her one little moment where you do get the sense that she knows that she needs to do some things for herself, but she has to like yep. be pushed to a point that is like so beyond reason. <laughs> so yep. we'll need to do that. I mean, so her she's disheveled, right? Generally, she looks kind of like her hair is just kind of like black, like kind of like thrown up. In some and sort that of uniform like, doesn't do
0: her any favors, um. right? And she like her clothes are just
1: kind of like frumpy. Like there's not she's not she's not taking care of herself. And I think, yeah. um, did you notice her sore tooth? She has yes, this, she has this sore tooth th- that she keeps like that, which later becomes very important. But she keeps like she'll she'll eat something or she'll move her jaw away, and then you'll see her like touch her face. And I think it's just like she has this constant pain like like that just must be always there right like you have a sore tooth like those things hurt and she occasionally knows that it's there like she'll acknowledge that it's there but she she's not taking care of herself so much that she can't even go and get that taken care of like she hasn't been to the dentist and been like this is something that's
0: bad in my mouth (laughs)
1: Like she's
0: so beyond that Um, no and that's a really good reading so i used to work with uh I've I've worked in research for uh, since two thousand twelve. I love it. It's a good gig. Um, but I was on a study where we worked with caregivers, and we taught them that you you have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of someone else. You know, you have yep. to put on your oxygen mask first. You have to. If you don't take care of yourself, how can you take care of anyone? And that is exactly get the an of what Amelia's doing. Yeah, yeah, right. Can I get an amen? <laughs> take care of yourselves, guys. That's right. And then you can take care of other people. Like, And I mean that. That's not selfish. That is survival. <clears throat> right.
1: Right. And she's clearly. So I feel like the entire first half of the movie, she's sort of walking and, and maybe even the entire entirety of the movie until sort of like. She starts sorting things out. Until she faces
0: the monster. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She's sort of walking this, like, thin line between, like, incredibly gentle, like, overly gentle, and then, like, absolutely furious. Like, it's like, it's like this tight, like, a a piece of dental floss is between those two things. Yeah. And then if she tips over a little bit too much in either direction, she wildly overcorrects to, like, so, like, if... Um, like sh- she'll she'll do something. She'll snap at Sam. And then immediately she's like, here, you can have some ice cream for breakfast or <laughs> yeah, she'll totally or she'll um, <laughs> or or like there'll be like this sweet moment. And then suddenly she feels like her she's been betrayed by her son. And she's like cutting the phone lines and being like, you will never talk to
0: another person without my permission again. Like she's like. Yeah, wild. to be fair, at that point, we're supposed to believe that she's possessed. Um, I think that you could argue she's possessed throughout the whole movie, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, no, wild, wild shit. Just, just some crazy ass shit. I think she's just, yeah, like, I don't think she's so much possessed as it is, I don't like... think she's literally possessed, and that's what I mean by, like, it's throughout the whole movie. I think that the possession is, like, a way to show, like, very literally how her grief is not being managed, how her trauma isn't being managed, how her mental illness is resulting from, like, her lack of dealing with her shit. Uh, in which case, and that, I think, is what the, quote, possession is. But I think that if that's the case, she literally isn't dealing with it at all, and, yeah, at, all always, at any point in the movie, and it's therefore there. it's it's always there. It's yeah. just,
1: it just it's fully realized. Like, it's roared to the front. She can't control yeah. it anymore, so it's there. So, but I I don't think at any point, like... We're so used... I think she's always herself. Like, I don't think that there's any, like, major... There are shifts, but they're all normal and, like, inherent to her character. I think we're so used to seeing... And I think, actually, the possession thing is really interesting because it allows you as the viewer to start... It kind of gives you an out when when you're watching it for the first time. And then when you realize it's almost like a, a surprise at the end. But it's not. You should have seen it all the time. It's just that we are so used to seeing mothers as, like, kind of, like, moral rocks, moral centers of a narrative. And this movie totally subverts that. It totally does. She is not the moral center of the story.
0: No, she's not perfect. And she's not, like, the one being attacked by her demon child. She is. She becomes the danger. Um, I know that we'll talk a little bit about this later. But uh, when we talk more about... The Babadook, but do you mind if we talk about the book a little bit now? Yeah, we can talk about the book. So something that I found interesting is uh, in a lot of ways it's easy to blame Amelia. Uh, she isn't dealing. Uh, and this book, uh, Mr. Babadook, it's possible that unconsciously in one of these like fog-like stakes that you, states that you see her in, She's the one who created this book. I think it's uh, literally hear... the only explanation. <laughs> like she has no. It, to have it made is because she's she's a cha- she says in a birthday scene that she wrote children's books. Um, she <clears throat> has charcoal on her hand. It's after she burned the book, but it could also have been like from adding the pages from drawing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and drawings. so, yeah. So this book, you know, it, it's and I don't. I'm not saying that horror films are supposed to be analyzed totally literally, but uh, it, is, it is a manifestation of trauma, but it also feels like that point in in a mental illness where you're still self-aware enough to understand the darkness that you're seeing, to understand what you might be capable of if this thing isn't treated. Uh, the tamest example is if you are very depressed and you're like, man, I maybe I really could... Um, do something drastic. I could uh, hurt take myself. Take my life. Yeah. But 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 you, you're you still at a place where you're conscious enough to know that that's not what you should do or want to do. That's kind of the book. You know, she sees it and at one point, like, it, it has pop-ups where it's like, you're going to kill your dog, you're going to kill your son, you're going to kill yourself, and she doesn't want to, but that is where she has gone with her mental health, that, like, that is a very real threat. And so this book kind of, like, literalizes that. Um the, the darkness and the potential danger that she possesses by not dealing with anything. It doesn't seem like she ever went to therapy. She's never gotten over the fact that her husband passed away. She's never, she locks all of his stuff in the basement. And when she goes by the basement because the dog's scratching at it, she just keeps it locked away. And that's, that's what she's trying to do with her trauma, just repress it. But repression doesn't work. Compartmentalization and dealing with things? Yeah, that can work, but um, total repression—no, that shit's gonna come out. It'll come yeah. out in a blast, well, or like think, a monster.
1: I think, yeah, I think it's a little bit. I think I agree entirely with you that she—it's um, it, sort of a—it's sort of like a warning to herself. Like she knows, yeah. and she's creating it. Um, I also think that it's—it's it's significant that it's something she potentially had to give up. That, she, that this is how it's coming forward. Like, she used to be the kind of woman who could be a writer, which is, like, not yeah. a stable career, which is, you know, has risk, but is also, is also you know, potentially more satisfying than yeah, her rewarding. current job. Right. It's, like, what she really wants to do. And she had to give it up because now she's a single mom. So she has to pay the bills. So she can't, you know, she can't take three years to write a book anymore. <laughs> so she's totally. got to. Right. And so I think that. Yeah she's kind of dipping back into a place where she was doing something that was entirely her choice and was valuable and what's coming out through that process is that she's in deep trouble like that and and that and that way of saying like this is really what you should be doing with yourself this is what you want to do with yourself like your dreams don't have to be completely over like maybe it's gonna take a lot of work maybe you know it's never as simple as you want it to be but like what you're do, what you're doing here is very important, and you're going to, you you are a more conscious whole person when you do this. So much so that if there's something wrong, it's going to come out in that process. Yeah. So, I think it's great that she writes the book. Like that is such a cool aspect yeah. of this movie. Um, and it's no, just kind of tied in there. It's
0: fascinating because it's also yeah, it, it it's never something you address in it. I don't think that she's consciously aware that she's the one. No, the she book, seems like, horrified by like, it. You know, yeah. she yeah. And she tears it apart and then but there were these blank pages and then it's filled in and untared apart. And, you know, it's it's this really interesting uh, narrative device. Um, right. And you could you could also uh, sometimes like the scene
1: where she is reading it before she puts it on the barbecue and <laughs> burns it up. Um, I feel like I feel like almost that's a creation scene. Like, like, the book was like, don't forget about me. Like, the, So it's introduced, like, the she throws the book away, she rips it up, and then it's, like, banging at her door, and it's, like, there's a bang at her door, and she opens the door, and the book is laying on the stoop, and it's all pasted back together. I think that that mm-hmm. might be a scene where it's creation. That's why she has the charcoal. Like, she, yeah. she had this little moment. It's like, right, that's the morning where Samuel's sleeping in. She had this little moment where she had time to go back to something that she loved to do, and what happened is... It was just a reminder, like, this is a temporary, it's like, this is a temporary situation and you still have stuff you need to deal with. Even if yeah. your son, you give your son sleeping pills every night, it's not going to fix this situation. It's not, it's yeah. not that, it's That's, not. He's a symptom. He's not right. the problem. He's not the problem. Yeah. I I also just kind of going back to um, her as like, a, as a character that is, is subvertive as a, as a mother. Um, I think she's very well-rounded, which I think is automatically means you cannot be the moral center. I don't think that there are very many mothers who actually are, or people even, that are the moral yeah. the moral center of their household. Like, right? Like, obviously, there are people who are more grounded. There are people who are more um, stable. But I don't. Totally. But nobody, no, like, that's not really a nobody thing. Nobody that's, owns that's made morality. Up.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. made up. Um, And if they do, then that seems like a weird dynamic and I wouldn't want to be a part of it.
1: Well, and if they do, they probably have, like, some really dark stuff (laughs) that's in there, too. So it's, which is also well-trodden territory, right? Like, we have, like, this idea of, like, the evangelical who, like looks at terrible pornography, like, illegal, violent things. Like, you, you have a sense of, like, you have so much morality that, like, you have to express yourself darkness. She's also not like that, which is really cool. She's just this... She's just, like, a real person. And so, yeah. you know, um, she, she doesn't... Uh, uh, blah, which means, like, automatically she's not pigeonholed into being, like, a voice of reason or naive to emotions that are dark you know she she just is a per- she is a human being who has who has complexities and 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 does bad things because that's what all absolutely.
0: people do absolutely absolutely um,
1: and you know that that's like a really powerful thing to see because i remain empathetic to her even after she kills a dog which we all know In America's thing. it makes you a monster. It's the worst thing you could do. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I, like, Americans hate that. We cannot handle that. I cannot handle that. And even after that happens, I'm like scared and it's horrifying, but I still care a lot about her.
0: Like, I'm like, oh no. no. totally. Oh, no. It's when she goes up to Samuel and she's clearly totally out of her mind at this point. It's like, Samuel, do you. Your dog's injured. We got we to gotta take it into the vet. But what she's really trying to do is kill her son. It's he's small. really trying to lure him out. Yeah. Um, we don't. But he's at least smart enough to understand that. He's he's wi- He's wised up, you know, to the way of the world. Yeah, he knows better.
1: Um, <laughs> what I think is really interesting, we don't really see a lot of violent mothers in movies and even horror movies. Like, they're just, and if they are, they're like cartoony.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. They are like they become like literalized monsters, not um, a person that's dealing with horror. You know, Amelia is
1: violent, like like literally violent, like like snapper dogs head off violent. Yeah, and you have you have a situation where you start to see that her like deep trauma plus the overwork plus untreated the lack of sleep,
0: Yeah. yeah. Has... Well, I think the trauma becomes mental illness because I think right. it's a situational thing, you know. Right. Like, or, I keep on saying mental illness, but I want everyone to understand that I do know the difference between like trauma, grief, and like just straight up mental illness. But I think that I'm going to use an umbrella term because I think that her situation helped to cultivate a mental illness. Yeah. And and I think that that's the point of the movie is that she she has not dealt. It has created mental illness. It has created her being so isolated, feeling so alone, feeling so angry, feeling so everything by never facing her grief by trying to lock it away that it it shit gets dark and terrible. Um she's definitively mentally ill. Like there because she doesn't want to I don't think Amelia actively wants to kill Samuel, but when this illness starts to take over and she is unable to check it anymore because she has never dealt with her shit it's her reality she becomes a monster well
1: and I think like post quote unquote possession um, there's this great scene where, um, where Samuel says you're not my mother when she's like kind of menacing him and she yeah. says what did you say and he says you're not my mother and she says i am your mother and i believe her in that moment i think she is like i don't think i don't think that there's a force that's taken over her i think that what the yeah. movie is saying is that what is happening to her in her situation is compl- is not unnatural she's having a natural reaction
0: to the hell that to she is in a bunch of terrible stimuli right. yeah 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 well th- and that's the thing like when I I I think it's I think it's Samuel keeping himself safe like on some sort of level to like assign the babadook as like this and of course there is a babadook in the movie and everyone is seeing you know it's it's a right. thing that's happening I'm yeah, not, but
1: Samuel and Amelia both see a babadook but like I agree yeah. with you I think it's his way of protecting himself and being like no mom you don't have this is not your full time right way to this be. isn't
0: you Well, and that's, and so, like, when he says, like, I know you don't love me. The Babadook won't let you. And that, that moment is just, like, that moment leads to her being able to expel this, this force inside of her, you know? Um, Well, and also, like, anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there.
1: I also think that there's, like, a little bit of, like... (sighs) I think that they also signal to you that this is sort of natural. like this might just be something that is natural to her, like a violence is a natural place to go. Because Sam is also very violent. Like he creates weapons all the time. He talks totally. about he talks about smashing people's heads
0: in. He like he's always well, talking not about people's. It's always the monster. It's always but, the uh, monster. But totally. But totally. Right, he pushes I, just, his I do want us to like Right. This kid's got some darkness. Yeah. And she does pushes, too.
1: He pushes his cousin out of a treehouse. She's being terrible when he does it, but he like, breaks her nose. Right. Awful. But that's
0: that's not okay.
1: He has... You know, he, use your words. He <laughs> sees violence as a solution to problems. Like, he's, a monster's a problem. He's going to smash its head in to solve it. So I think there's also sort of a thing where... That is like that is just part of like their family's fiber at this point that they yeah. like the connective tissue in their family is if there is a problem, you can solve it with violence because he's learning yeah. it. Right. And he is enacting that. So you you kind of have that that this is something that's going on in their family Um and it doesn't let them off the hook every time no. he like breaking his cousin's nose. Not OK. Taking weapons to school. Not OK. Breaking windows. Not OK. Mother looming over her child and menacing him with a knife, not okay. Like, it's not... Not it's, okay. It's not... This, this movie is not saying, like, yeah, moms should, like, beat up their kids. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, no, it's
0: it's the opposite of glorifying it. It's just making us look in the face of how dark and... Deeply scary it is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And how dark we, we can get if we... Um, I think everyone has darkness inside of them. I think you face it. And, again... We'll get to that. I think what's also interesting
1: is that I think that sometimes they do like give you the smallest, teeniest, tiny like the, one of the bleakest points in the movie. Would you agree? Is when she kills that dog, like when she takes yeah, Bugsy, no, when she snaps Bugsy's neck. That's a terrible moment, and that's when it's the a part of the terrible movie are... scene. And it's scary too. Like every, I mean, like obviously it's scary she kills a dog, but like the way she moves in that scene is frightening. Like it's animalistic and like awful. Yeah.
0: No, there are a couple times, like, where she starts to, like, kind of roar and when she's holding a knife and, like, she seems inhuman.
1: Yeah. Like, and her face is wild. Like, that's, like, the height of her exhaustion. Contorted. She's just, like, yeah. watching these movies. So at, late at night, like, she doesn't sleep. She's just, like, she's she snapped. But what's... So yeah. she kills the dog and then immediately she starts digging around in her mouth and she pulls out the tooth that was sore and throws it on the floor <laughs> And I thought it was, like, kind of this, it was, like, this wild moment where it gives you some glimmer that what she's doing is is finding a solution to a problem. It's just entirely, like, the wrong, brutal it's a, solution. It's, a,
0: it's an inappropriate solution. She, like, her she... brain is not working the way that normal brains are working because she, the solutions she's finding are things like murder my dog, murder my kid, you know? Like, right. that. That obviously – her pulled out my tooth her, with my bare condition hands. <laughs> is is misfiring. Like, right? yes, she is finding solutions. They're just not the right ones. Right. Or,
1: like, the solution – like, the, the problem is that she has, like, these annoyances in her life which are pushing her to the brick. Right? Like, she has, like – she has all this grief, all this fear. She's not facing it. She's, like – it's all internalized. It's it's so nasty. It's, like, it's poisoning her. And then she has these things in her life which are legitimately annoying. Like her dog is legitimately annoying sometimes. Her child is legitimately annoying. She has a sore tooth and it hurts. So, it's sort of like she needs to find solutions to these problems, but like you can't do it through brutality. That's the wrong yeah, thing to murder, do. Yeah, murder suicide, not, not not the solution. Not the way. But I did think it was funny that she pulled her tooth out right after. She was like, "You know what? And I'm not putting up with this anymore either." <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I also think we need to mention here that this is tricky. Like the the story that this tells is nuanced. And like, I think that if you had gone through extreme physical or not even extreme, if you have gone through physical abuse in your life at the hands of a parent, you might not, this movie might not have much for you. Like you don't have to, you don't have to understand, you don't have to care, you don't have to empathize. That's fine. Like if that's not something that sounds like it's going to be healing and good for you, skip this movie. Don't watch it. It's fine. Yeah. You'll yeah.
0: be yeah you know it's not it's fine, but yeah, I will it's s- a good movie but you're not it's not gonna like yeah. ruin your life to not see it especially yeah. if it's gonna be um, harmful painful and triggering yeah
1: right so I do understand where why someone coming from that place would not like this and would and would quibble with it I will say that for me watching it it works because of how the story is written so that's on Kent Kent does an amazing job also she Essie does. Davis is a powerhouse. She really is. She is... I think she... Like, any... So, you know, the script is great, but I cannot imagine another actress who could do this movie this way. Like, she, like... She commits and gives it her all, and the way she portrays this character is so... It's so amazing. So, I think if you... If it does sound like something you're interested at all, you should see it just so you can see this performance, because it's mind-blowing. It's amazing. Yeah. Totally. Um... Right. So one of the reasons I love this movie, I think, is because I am a total sucker for a haunted house movie. And this movie is a haunted house movie.
0: It's a weird it haunted totally house is. movie. It's a weird haunted house movie because it's not really the house. But, I mean, it it is. It all takes place in this spooky kind of Victorian looking home. And, yeah. And, and that's one, that's the only place where the monster is. And one of the central, well, that's not true. But, you know. And one, one of the so central it. pieces of a haunted house movie is
1: that... You know, if you had a haunted... Like, if my house was haunted, knock on wood, but if my house were haunted, I would go over to somebody else's house. <laughs> I Hell leave. yeah! We've I talked would... about this before. If I think that there's a ghost, I'm getting the fuck out. Right. But, like, you have options. I would check into a hotel, a cheap hotel, but I would. You know, like, you yeah. leave, right? Yeah. And then... But there and, has to be... And haunted house movies, they never leave. Well, and why don't because things have to happen. It, like the story has to tell you a reason why they cannot leave. They have to give you a reason why this family is isolated. So either it's like, well, if you leave, the ghosts are going to follow you. So it doesn't matter where yeah. you go. Or well, if you you can't leave because the ghosts have infected your mind so much that it's literally impossible to leave and now there are no exits. Like, you know, there's always some sort of like mechanical device that forces them to stay in this house and what forces amelia and sam to stay in their house is that the outside world is awful to them (laughs) yeah like terrible to them yeah despite everyone agreeing that what happened to them is is beyond comprehension and awful they get very little support
0: yeah, no, it's everybody understands that what happened was terrible, but because they don't know what to do about it, their reaction is to kind of try to like just remove it. You know, it's too uncomfortable, it's too terrible to deal with. And so in a lot of ways, um a lot of ways their own family finds them depressing like her their aunt, you know, um the social oh, worker her sister Claire. Camp- her sister Claire. Yeah, um the social workers first come because he isn't enrolled in school and she seems like she's falling apart and everything's in hell. Like Robbie comes in and immediately GTFOs because he does (laughs) not want to be around that. Like the only exception is, is their neighbor. And um, it seems as though Amelia kind of resents her because she knows a little bit what's going on. You know what I mean? Because she knows like what the pain is and about her husband, like, it kind of seems to grate at her that there's someone who knows, and well, I kind of divided. So, like, they are kind
1: of so there's Robbie, there's the school. Yep, there's yep. Claire and Ruby. They're they blood relatives. There yeah. is Mrs. Roach, and they're the social workers. Those are the five sort of people, like, or or groups of people that are in their um, like their orbit, right? Yeah. And I feel like Claire and Ruby and the school go out of their way to be terrible, like cannot deal- to be cruel. Are cruel, awful. are cruel are yeah. cruel so and the school granted like it's a safety issue like you know sam sam gets kicked out of school because he brings a weapon to school which is like you know don't get me wrong like, if i had if i found out that there was a kid um at my niece's uh preschool who was like bringing weapons and i would be like
0: can get that kid out of there what the no 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 yeah. like yeah. i would be horrified yeah. no we we understand the reality of it um, right which is that those are things to be genuinely scared of. Right.
1: But I would expect there to be like support like the, s- the way the school the school doesn't kick him out because they don't want to like do that. Instead, they're just like, we're going to give your kid a, a professional minder who's going to make sure that he doesn't do anything wrong ever again. And and I think that Amelia is like-, Amelia's like, no, that's insane. No, he can't. He he's already that different. would be terrible that's yeah. terrible and they don't offer any other solution beyond that so I think that they are they are awful they are isolating and, and mean um, agreed her sister Claire basically goes out of her way to be like <laughs> to be like I don't understand why you're still sad is like her sister's yeah main, the undercurrent of everything her sister says to her is like how dare you be sad around me because it makes me sad and I don't want to feel that way
0: It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your sadness, your your brokenness is a discomfort to me, and why can't you be better or different And also, I think your son's the worst. I just, I can't get over how much I hate Claire. Claire's Claire's the the worst. fucking worst.
1: Claire's the worst. And Ruby's bad, too. Ruby's terrible. She's raised a daughter that kind of sucks. Ruby, right before she gets her nose broken, is backing Sam into a treehouse and saying, everybody else is a dad. You don't have a dad because your dad had to die to get away from you. Wow. (laughs) So mean.
0: (laughs) Which, on some level, she has to be hearing something like that from someone. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Yep. 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 So like,
1: they're a horrible isolating force. And then I think just because Amelia and Sam have kind of like like, their horrors are realized. Right. Like that is the sum of all fears that that someone that someone will see your pain so clearly and say this is an inconvenience to me. I don't like this. How dare you feel this way and reject. Yeah. Yeah. That. No wonder, no wonder. so I so I feel like Amelia is always on the offensive, and she always wants people to think that everything is fine. And she doesn't talk about her husband Oscar dying because that would that would ruin everything. So everything has to just seem fine. She spends a lot of time telling Sam, like, don't embarrass me or like be normal or like you know like just yeah
0: why can't you be normal
1: keep up this artifice that everything is okay even though everything is like definitively not okay everything
0: is so from, <laughs> from
1: okay it's
0: not it's yeah. not even
1: funny so shit's that- bad guys so that I, I mean i don't know how you feel about the social service folks but i kind of feel like in
0: the end we are to believe that they are helpful and good like that they're not bad people yeah, but, I think that I think that the so when we're first um, exposed to them, I think it's more to just put into sharp relief like how fucked she is and yeah. they are because everything is going wrong. She she's, says that there was she's a cockroach at the station, and that you know she had yeah. She's her kid's like she's. I, I kids. feel sick because of the drugs mom gave me, and they're like, oh, wait, what? And oh. I haven't been at school, and um we don't celebrate my birth... Like, you know, I can't have a birthday. And uh, and she's like, there's a hole in the wall where there was a cockroach infestation. Instead, she's just pulled off all of the, like, wallpaper and there's no hole. And it's just like... Everything... Uh, yeah, I think that they're supposed to be like... And they're like, we've got you in a bad time. We'll be back in a week. And in that moment, you're like, man, they're going to take away that kid. Everything's awful. But all it takes is a week for, uh, for a lot of changes to happen. And the next time we see them while... Well, there is an uncomfortable exchange about uh, Sam's father dying. It is no longer uncomfortable for Amelia. Right. Amelia is no o- longer uncomfortable for Samuel. So it, it it is OK. Right. Like
1: it's clear that they have come to a point where they trust each other and they love each other and they're going to support each other and protect each other enough that if somebody thinks they're a little weird because they can frankly talk about this issue because they have to. That's okay yeah. because they have each other's yeah. back, so it doesn't really matter so much if the social workers are, are uncomfortable in that moment, because what they're doing is healthy and right. Like for them, right? Their family yeah, is sort of that's so not
0: bad. the that's not the thing that would have that will tear that family apart. No. It's just something that will make someone uncomfortable. Yeah,
1: but, but so oops. so right. Okay. So I feel like the social workers are good. Mrs. Roach is definitively good. I think their neighbor definitively who,
0: good. Who is Mrs. Roach? Is the elderly, kind neighbor that like. Genuinely cares about them.
1: Yeah, and you know, and she, you know, that she, she, you know, she definitely knew Oscar. So you get the sense that like Amelia and Oscar, when they were like first married, or definitely before Sam was born, like were living in that house, and she probably watched them be like a young couple, and then get pregnant. You know, like she's seen. Yeah. And then of course the fallout after Oscar died. So she's been there. She's been like this this figure, an interested figure, and a caring figure. Through all of this, and she definitively knows that something is not right. Like, she and, yeah. and she tries to do things about it within the realm yeah. of reason. But, yeah, and not
0: in a judgy way, not in no. a cruel way, just in like a please let me help you way. Right. I care. But because which is more than they get told by anybody else. Anyone else.
1: Anybody yeah. else. But, like, yeah. because of Claire and Ruby, and because of school, and because all these people. Have told them that their pain is is gross and inconvenient to them.
0: Um, yeah,
1: Amelia she is can't just, let her in. Amelia can't let her in. She's got to reject Roach. She's got to reject the social workers. She just she just wants to keep them out. They cannot yeah. do anything that meaningfully helps, and that means that she and Sam are stuck. Have to figure out their stuff in that haunted house, just the two of them. That's it. Like yep. they they don't they don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. Um. But I think, of course, like the central and an interest, really interesting thing about this horror movie is that Amelia is the person that's haunting her house.
0: Yeah, I I would say Amelia's trauma and grief are yeah. what is haunting the house. Is even the like just taking a step further, um, because it is, yeah, it's undult un with emotion. And what's funny is it's not like in some movies where like that is literally the answer, and they're like, oh, it was your emotion manifesting. Like um, this movie does a good job of. Of keeping it in the body of a monster, which I think is clever and works, but yeah, it's Amelia and her undealt with shit that is haunting her house.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's not just solved with her realizing that she she has to she has to do you some have more to, work. You have
0: to face up and do some work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, and I think I, what's really awesome is I think a lot of haunted house movies too have this sort of tension where like the people want to get out of the house and they can't get out of the house, and when you realize that she is the problem in the house, I think, is when um when she's like snapped. It's right before it's before she's killed the dog, but it's after she's like she's like sitting stock still in warm bathtubs and
0: like her all of her clothing, um, yeah. and then lifting her child into the warm bath to and be like, "It's nice and safe in here," while he's fully clothed, and he's oh. like, "This shit is not okay, not okay." That is that is a scary scene to me, and nothing terrifying happens in it. It's just like this shit is not right, guys. The way she's acting in that scene, which is like this, like it's
1: like <sighs> unglued serenity. It's very, very chilling. Like that's another amazing okay. moment. And they're not, they're yep. not. You're right. Nothing. They're not even doing anything. It's just. It's just people acting in a way no human would. No human would yep. do
0: that. Very, nope. very weird. It's, um, it's why Sam knows it's weird. Like, getting into a bathtub with all your clothes on does not make cognitive sense to anyone.
1: Nope. Um, except for Mariah Carey and, and God bless Mimi. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I love when she is like, she's, it's when she, after she cuts the phone lines and she's like standing in her kitchen and menacing her child with a knife, she says, oh. she says... Uh, he says, you cannot let the Babadook in. And she says, don't worry about it. Nothing is getting in tonight. And you're like, oh, like all the, like all the hairs shot up on my arm when she says that. Yeah. Because you're like, yeah, they're the problem. Like this family's yeah, dynamic is the problem. Like they need yep. people to come in this house. Like that is the only thing they need. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah. Or that's that would be a quick solution. Is if that would have been would, a, a, yeah. If someone would come over and like grab Sam, that would have
0: been a quick solution. But <laughs> Jesus, right. Well, Mrs. Roach tries to, and that's a terrifying scene because at that point, Amelia's lost her GD mind, has yep. killed the dog. Yep. And Mrs. Roach comes to the door and <sighs> is like, "I would do anything for you all." I do feel like that scene a little bit helps to start to like the healing because it is. It's the first time she's faced with, like, that kind of, like, unconditional love from an outsider. Um, But it's terrifying because you're not sure that she hasn't just killed the neighbor.
1: Well, I I was so worried about Mrs. Roach. That's another great thing. I feel like the empathy you feel for the main characters in this movie extends to tertiary characters. Like, I also was really worried about Robbie throughout this, even though he's not, he's, like, not even really a big deal in the movie. But I was like, I hope she doesn't kill Robbie. Like she yeah, can't. No,
0: that that shouldn't happen. Uh, you know. Even I, I honestly was sure Mrs. Roach had been killed, and I was like, "Well, but how is she gonna move?" Like, because when they start to move past it, I'm like, "But, but like, how she got gonna, a dead body? Yeah, what are you gonna do about that dead body? Gonna, how's she gonna get over that?"
1: But no, how's she Ro- gonna survive? But Mrs. Mrs. Roach, Mrs. Roach makes it through the movie, so thank yeah, God. Thank, thank God. <laughs> In the green. So <laughs> we're coming up to it. I think it's time for us to talk about the Babadook. Like what it is, who he is, how he's how the, how the movie wraps up in the end. He is the central demon. Yep. Um, we've we've talked about it. That I mean, the Duke is the. We've talked is, about the book. Yeah, right. So the duck is, I, th- I. It's not none of this movie in the end is like fully like no one comes. It's not a Vanilla Sky moment or even a um. Oh man, what's that movie? Ugh. The one with the the dream people, it has Ellen Page in it. God damn it. Everyone was what? obsessed with it. Christopher Noland, Inception.
0: Dream people. Inception. Inception. Dream people. I forgot Ellen Page was in that. Yeah, um. well, that movie
1: was... Anyway, this isn't a vanilla sky or an inception where, like, someone helpfully shows up in the third act to explain to you what has happened thus far because they're worried you might not get it. This movie allows you to draw your own conclusions, which is delightful. Um, Yeah. But I think the collective conclusion that we and most of the Internet has drawn is that the Babadook is Amelia's unexplored feelings of rage, grief, guilt, resentment, pain. Yeah. All of those. the things
0: she keeps on trying to lock up, and it will not just—it has gone to a point where it will not be locked up. It keeps on knocking on the door. Yeah, really powerful stuff. Um, I really, i like—I loved one of the something I was told uh, in counseling, and I've told Mary this, and I feel like I've told everyone this. Is um, it, but it's—it's it's one thing that stayed with me. Uh, a counselor was like, "You might never get rid of." Your depression, like it might that voice that's telling you, like, you're not enough or whatever. But what you can do is understand what it is. You can acknowledge that that isn't something real. That is that voice telling you that. Uh, And she called it shaking hands with the dragon. I can't slay the dragon, but I can acknowledge what it is. And that is literally what we see Amelia doing. Uh, She can't slay it. She can't kill it. But she can address it and take care of it and acknowledge it instead of just trying to hide from it because hiding from it doesn't work. Um, And in the end, she's she and Sam seem so much happier. There's a lot of real love and affection there. And we get this wonderful uh, parallel shot with the social workers where they come in. and This is clearly a woman who loves her kid and everything's fine. He's not drugged the kitchen isn't falling apart, you know, like yeah, things are, things, things are all right. The, the situation
1: is no longer dangerous. It's no longer, this is not a home of violence. Everybody, every, yeah. like the pain they they are dealing with their pain and they're talking about it and they're being open with each other about it. It's not, yeah. she's
0: not shutting out her son when it comes to her husband. Yeah. She's letting, she's, in, she's acknowledging the ways in which Samuel's like her husband. She's letting her husband also exist as, As a a person who's no longer with us, but is still a part of their lives.
1: Yeah. I think family saves them in the end. It's like the need when Sam tells her we have to protect each other. That's like a sentiment of family versus a sentiment of you need to be the perfect mother, which is what she's trying to do before. She's trying to, like, spin all the plates. She's trying to make people think that everything's okay and, like, fake it till you make it kind of stuff, which is a concept that I believe in, but not in this case.
0: Um, Agreed. But but not (laughs) when she gets this bad. You can't just fake this out. Right,
1: right, right. Like, yeah. But you can't... So... You know, being being the perfect moral center, perfect mother is not sustainable. It's too much pressure. No one can do it. And family is about support and allowing members to thrive and, and enjoying each other and, like, kind of relishing like your you know, it's it's your fam. It's the people that that have your back. You know, totally. And totally. I I think that the realization that they arrive at means that when the social workers come back, they're like, oh, this is going to be okay. They're like, they're a, they're a functional family. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Which is wonderful. And I love that sentiment anyway. I
0: think it's just... Oh. No, me too. And that's and that's the thing, guys. This movie is scary to me uh, because monsters are scary to me, but it, it does end in a beautiful place and it is a movie that I can talk about and... Talking about it and dressing it makes it less scary. Doesn't mean that the dark isn't still scary and this basement won't still be scary. But you know, whatever. We got I mean, it. we got sc- our shit. I mean, scary movies sometimes keep me awake at night. This
1: movie ends in such a way that I felt completely comfortable. Like I felt I went to sleep. Like I didn't need. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. I didn't stare at my ceiling. I was like, you yeah. know, I could sleep after this movie. What is funny to me about this movie, actually, and I'm gonna, <laughs> these are some. These are some potentially hot takes. Um, I was s- about to ask you if this
0: is a hot take. This is my hot... It felt like... This is my yeah. hot take. Hot take. Bring it.
1: Spicy hot. Hot. <laughs> um... <laughs> This movie, to me, there are movies like this that are horror movies, and that one of them is a classic, and it's The Shining, and the other one is Hereditary, wow. which is which is a new movie,
0: <laughs> which I know- and I'm okay I, with this literally never talking about Hereditary since I haven't seen it, and it's supposed to be terrifying, so, you know.
1: Right. And I feel like when I watch The Babadook, I'm like, those movies are artistically amazing, but emotionally garbage. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. The Shining- is like the same movie right except it's about a man right yeah. like jack torrance he's kind of possessed by the hotel but it's kind of already there because you know that he like smacked his kid around and broke his arm before and he has yeah. all these violent he's feelings. kind of a monster right yeah. he has all these violent feelings that suddenly roar out specifically towards his wife and his son and he chases them around he becomes a monster he chases them around he kills people and at the end, his his wife and his son ex- escape, and he freezes to death. Right, like that's yeah. the movie. Yeah, I'm not really sure what that movie is saying
0: about. Yeah, anything. what's the message? Yeah, like like the Babadook. There's a message. There's like a, it's almost like a, it even has kind of a roadmap for how you can still survive. And that one, it's like, so what? He's yeah, just like if S-O-L? you right, like, like if, if you, just you if die you,
1: if you're a violent if you're a violent Person who drinks too much sometimes, do you need to freeze to death at the Alec <laughs> Hotel to like do, right. you need to, do you need to isolate yourself from your family in a way that is very extreme? Like I don't.
0: Yeah, it's. it's... Do you need to kill yourself? Like, right. d- is it impossible to uh, be a better person? And right, this or... literally deals with those ideas because we're told that yeah, the Baba Dick will never go away, and in a way it doesn't, but it can not get better. Right. It doesn't there's not this inevitability
1: of violence. Well, your pain and your trauma do not define you completely. They're an important part of you, they're a part of you that you have to take care of and maintain and mind and and be loving to yourself about, but you are a lot of things beyond that. So, like those those parts just because you have that doesn't mean those other parts of you like shrivel up and die. You you still you still can have a very functional life. Right? So the shining artistically totally. amazing the the central thesis of it i think is garbage <laughs> um or is not clear to me what it would be um and then hereditary not i won't spoil that one quite as much because it is a newer movie but kind of like when the when the direct when people ask the director what this movie is about he says the scars of family are something we can't escape is like the thesis of this movie and i'm kind of like okay but I think you guys can grow (laughs) like just because just because there was bad things that happened in your family doesn't mean that you can't progress past them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a baby. Maybe I just want things to be like hopeful for for mothers. But I don't know. That just doesn't seem that seems so nihilistic in a way that feels very much like like, a kid doodling, like, the ACDC logo on his notebook would do. Like, I'm like, okay. It doesn't impress me as, like, kind of a jaded almost 30-year-old anymore. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Like, that... I'm already at risk of being jaded, right? I'm already living in a world that constantly tells me that, like, no. Like, your, your opinions about things are wrong. And the way you want to yep. live your life is wrong. And the fact that you're a woman is wrong. I don't need media to tell me that further (laughs) right i need to discover i don't need to discover that through something else i I get plenty of that that's loud and clear to me it's i I turn to media to give me insights that are below the surface like motivations behind those like motivations behind those hostile environments or yeah analysis
0: of our world
1: yeah or things i can do for myself so i kind of think that Hereditary is a little bit of crap, too. I, it's very scary. I, I lost way more sleep over that movie than I did over this movie, but I think in kind of a bad way. I don't know.
0: Yeah, totally. So, Not in a way that, like, actually gave back.
1: Yeah, so I'm, that's my spicy take. That uh, Don't, you know, watch The Shining if you want something uh, artistically interesting. Watch, and by that I mean visually interesting for the most part. Sure, sure. Watch Hereditary if you want to, like, be frightened to the very core of your being but confused watch the babadook if you want to see a good movie
0: yeah hell yeah well and so i guess to wrap up this this little thing uh do you think this movie is important is it feminist or
1: yes i think amelia herself is so important for women in film because she is a complicated and three D character who pops off the screen, and she is fully realized between the this like loving meld between Jennifer Kent's amazing script and directing, and Essie Davis is amazing performance. I think everyone needs yeah. to see this movie just to see those two women co- like collaborate to realize this this character. It that alone, I think, would make this a feminist movie. Um, in addition to, like, all the comments about about motherhood and how hard it is and how yeah. you might have feelings which which you, should, quote-unquote, shouldn't have, but you need to manage those because they are, they are real to you and they're important, and that's okay. Yeah, you
0: can't just ignore them. You have to do something about them. I think also so,
1: some of the comments about community are very important and, and feel very feminist to me, where, like, it's important it's important for society to support mothers like we i mean this is an australian film but i'm an american and yep. i feel like america's it's really tough to be a mother in america you know we don't really america kind of feels like kids are sort of inconvenient or like if a kid is being bad in public we blame their mom for that we're like ugh you brought this blame crying moms
0: for like all of it
1: yeah, yeah you brought this crying baby on a plane i'm like well the baby has to get
0: has to get to uh, to Albuquerque. I don't know. Yeah, feminine rage is not shown a lot. Uh, we've talked about how women are the moral center, or women are hysterical, but um, women are gentle. Yeah, uh, we're yeah we're either like totally hysterical or totally gentle, and the bottom line is uh, we are powerful, strong coursing with blood individuals that can sometimes boil and this movie does show feminine rage we see we see it in ways that are um dangerous uh and and nearly violent but doesn't mean that feminine rage doesn't exist doesn't mean that it isn't important to portray and just an important part of uh important thing that we don't include in our narratives and therefore uh it gets it's treated as being so um so out of place so inappropriate if we want to go back to current events uh hopefully not so current uh when you listen to this because you know maybe he had a heart attack but uh the a hearing, meteor um, fell and just fell right on Brett Kavanaugh it was wild, wild. Well, the hearing
1: didn't hurt hurt anybody else and provided the world with uh, new space minerals.
0: But right right. right on
1: Brett Kavanaugh. Who
0: knew? Right on Brett Kavanaugh. (gasps) Lindsey Graham. (laughs) Lindsey Graham was there, too. They were hugging each other. Jesus. (laughs) Lindsey Graham crying with rage and us treating that like that is a dignified (sighs) thing. Whereas if a woman had portrayed, had acted like that at all. We would just write her off. And, and I say we because I think we are generally conditioned to do that, even if we are women. That's some internalized misogyny. Uh, that's gross. It's fucking grotesque. I want to see more embodiments of female rage. I want to see more complications. I want to see more of that and not just hysteria and not just um, sadness, but like strength, strength and power. That sometimes is dangerous and unwieldy. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think we have to wrap this up so that I can tuck my rage in um, to its bunk bed in the basement, oh, and, yes. then, uh, and then, and <laughs> then, which will then, which will then allow me to go to work, be a functioning adult, vote on uh. November sixth, do those yeah, things. But, but um, okay.
0: Compartmentalization is uh, It can be important Sometimes it's easier than others Some days like literally this week You feel so anxious and angry That like it's hard to get out of bed But you gotta gotta figure out You gotta deal with it You can't repress it You gotta face it You gotta compartmentalize it You gotta deal with it Take care of yourself guys It's true
1: Or if nothing else You're my fam
0: Families protect
1: each other you can stay I'll down. I'll protect you.
0: You protect me. Right.
1: I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand up in this moment and do what I can. So, yeah. if you need to stay down, that's okay. It's my turn to
0: protect you. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. All <sighs> right. Whew, oh. On that lovely note. So, Mary, what
1: are we going to discuss next week? So next week we are taking on uh, the movie Colossal, which if you are, you know. You want a, a bright shiny star from Space Bras, You can watch because it's currently streaming on Hulu with no with no issue.
0: <laughs> also, Anne Hathaway is in it. Um, if you're a half a hater, I'm I'm really sorry. I don't have anything to say to you are or you, to relate to. If you're a fan, <laughs> are you a half head? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> and also, like obviously, you cannot like Anne Hathaway. But it's a it's. I am excited to revisit this movie. I haven't seen it in over a year. I've only seen it once, but um. I felt that there was a lot to dig into. So, I have a question yeah. for people who might hate Anne Hathaway.
1: Do you also hate Leonardo
0: DiCaprio? Think about it. Think about it. File <laughs> that away. Figure it out. <laughs> Cons- interrogate consider- your own bias, guys. Yeah. So, thanks for listening to Space Brows. Head over to Apple Podcasts or the platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Be sure to visit outrageousmechanisms.com slash spacebrows.com. That's slash B-R-A-S to see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts, including the brand new from Mary Johnston over here, Crip Keepers. Oh my god, if you
1: want to know so much about my childhood, get into some Cripkeeping <laughs>
0: first... Also co-hosted by our lovely former guest. Thomas Johnston. That's right. Who? He's
1: known me his whole his whole life. So uh, or my mm-hmm. whole life, I haven't known him. There were four mysterious years that slipped underneath my radar. <laughs> who knows what happened there? Who even there? knows
0: who he was in those first four <laughs> who years? Even
1: knows? But it's uh it's a lot of a lot of it is him and I talking about our childhood and how it relates to Tales from the Crypt. Which so far, surprising overlap. I'm just gonna say it. I Um, love that.
0: I really can't wait to hear your podcast.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Check it out. Um, And now, join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of space bras. In these troubled times, and they are deeply troubled, we must remember that even though everyone else might suck (coughs) Brad Kavanaugh, we are (laughs) awesome. And the galaxy is ours.
0: Cheers! Cheers! Outrageous An mechanisms outrageous production. mechanism's production.